We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one bestselling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for the year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like Are you an overbuyer or underbuyer? A morning person or night person? Abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast. Available now, free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Monica from The Real House of Salt Lake City will not be with us next season on The Real House of Salt Lake City. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. We're going to get into the Salt Lake City reunion. We're also going to talk about this week's episode of Beverly Hills. Uh, I uh, So much to discuss. I, for one, I'm going to miss all that fucking choir music on The Real House of Salt Lake City every week. It just brings me a boost of serotonin like I've never known before. Anytime the wintry choir comes in, you know, with that background music, I feel good. And so I'm a little bit sad that we're not going to have them anymore. I don't know if we're going to get one of those episodes next week Next week, that's like the shit they should have shown, but I hope they show it to us. And Because there's a lot of shit that I would have liked to have been shown, because I was just reading this interview right before we started recording here. I was reading this interview in The Cut with Monica from Salt Lake City. And in that, uh, there were things that were left out of the reunion, specifically as she was saying uh, something about that footage of her going into Meredith Marks' store in Salt Lake. She says that they talked about that at the reunion, uh, and production actually told her to fake that she'd never been there before. Now, I don't know if this is true, but Monica said in this interview that it came up at the reunion, they talked about it, and this part just never aired. And I thought, how fucking crazy that the Salt Lake City, obviously, we know they had a lot of stuff to get through at this reunion. But there were things that I was missing, uh, and yet they did find time somehow to play a clip of Meredith. <laughs> I don't even know if I could say this out loud. But they did find time to play a clip of Meredith Marks at a restaurant with the butter that she churned on camera. Uh, and she asked the restaurant to plate and serve it with her food. And they had this iPhone footage, which was not even commissioned by Bravo. This was just Brooks or Seth just shooting her in a restaurant asking the waiter to put some butter on a plate for her. And they showed us that at the reunion. (laughs) The idea that they edited that in 
footage again that was not even commissioned by the network. It was just Seth's iPhone footage. Uh, they played that and talked about Meredith churning butter in this reunion, and yet they didn't show the part about uh, Monica sketching into that store and potentially stealing the bag or what I don't know whatever was going on with that. I just thought maybe we should have gotten into that, or even the Tanisha of it all. Tanisha, I have so many thoughts about this Tanisha. The idea that they didn't get into the Tanisha of it all much at the reunion, and yet found time to place the footage of Meredith Marks at her restaurant, iPhone footage from Brooks Marks of her butter. Oh, I love these fucking shows. I love them. They're so insane. They And they all applauded Meredith for her butter. I mean, at the beginning of this reunion, it was like, five, four, three. You know, every time they're counting down from that control room, it's like, five, four, three. I'm like, so excited. I'm on the edge of my seat and thinking, we have so much to discuss. Obviously, we're going to get right into it. And then it was like, five, four, three. And then quickly just applauding Meredith for turning butter. And I thought, what are we doing here? <laughs> But I love him for it. I love him for it. Uh, and so we did need some comedic relief. I get that. Um, but the Tanisha of it all, I want to just, let's get this out of the way. Because I feel like we should have gotten more answers about this woman, Tanisha, who's the one who provided all the receipts to Heather, who's allegedly, it seems, still doing her hair. And that, to me, is wild. Wild, if it's true. If, in fact, true. Because I don't know exactly that it's true. But I, I did hear some rumblings that on Watch What Happens Live. I couldn't watch it. But Heather Gay was on it last night after the reunion. And I think she revealed that Tanisha's still doing her hair. Which, God bless. And I want to thank Tanisha for giving us such a dynamic season of TV. Bravo to you, Tanisha. However, it is wild to me that Heather has such a strong opinion and stance against Monica. But then, when it comes to Tanisha, she's still doing your hair? And I know there's different levels of friendship and stuff. I just think that's like crazy to me. I I can't even wrap. I can't get my brain around that. Like you're so vehemently against these other things, which I'm on her side about. I think it's completely unacceptable. The the thing that really got me with Monica was like the st- the driving in front of the house. That makes me very uncomfortable. And then also like the security camera footage. Like what the fuck was that? What the fuck? And it wasn't just from a cell phone. I believe it was allegedly confirmed that that was the security camera footage that was being placed on Reality Vontis' blog. And that, to me, was like the thing that went over the line for all of it. It made me very uncomfortable. But Tanisha, I still think it's so strange. Like, if if it was over the line for everybody on this show, then it's like, well, why is Tanisha still doing your hair for watch or whatever you're doing? That's like crazy. Anyway, anyway, I'm glad we got some answers about Meredith's butter on the restaurant. <laughs> I'm glad we got to see. And by the way, I don't know if Andy knows how butter works, and I didn't know for the longest time, but you can leave your butter out on the counter. This is going to be a controversial hot take, but I'm here to tell you that you can leave the butter on the counter. That's right. I think it stays like up to two weeks. You can get one of those butter dishes. That's what I got. You put the butter in and then there's like water that is, I don't know how to explain it. You got to look it up online, but there's like a butter dish that's not just like a butter cover. It's like it helps keep the butter fresh. And let me tell you something. It is a game changer to have butter on the counter all the time because when you want toast, then you could just have it spreadable butter. You know, it's nothing worse when you want a piece of toast or something and you want to butter your bread and then you got the butter out of the thing and you either got to find some way. It just doesn't spread properly. And so when you leave the butter out on the counter, I don't know, ladies, if you know this, but you can do it. And it's supposed to stay for up to two weeks. I think some other countries, people leave it out there forever. And so, I don't know, I just want to encourage everyone to try it. I know it's scary. It was scary for me the first time I did it. Because it was very recently new to me that I put the butter out on the counter and kept it there. But I was scared, and I'm here uh, to live in the truth. I'm living the truth, much like Meredith Marks was at that restaurant when she had Brooks, the son, film her, uh, 
putting that butter on a dish <laughs> instead of anything about Tanisha. I mean, there were a million things that I, I think we could have put in that reunion over the butter thing, but I won't harp on it, even though I did just harp on it for about six minutes. Uh, moving on. Um, we also had some comedic relief with Lisa and the makeup situation. I was glad we did get some answers on this because Lisa says that she hasn't done her own makeup since 2019. She gets it done every day. Every single day. Now, the logistics of this, and really the money of this, is what fascinates me the most, because how much does that cost? I always worry about these gals bringing the glam squads on their vacation. I know we'll talk about this on the Beverly Hills Housewives, but they had all their glam squads, and production's not paying for the glam squads to come. That's why only half the group has them sometimes. And so flying all those people out on your cast trip, putting up their hotel, plus paying their day rate for obviously the hard work that they're doing for you, it's got to be very expensive, and deservedly so, and I hope those makeup people are getting lots of money, those hair and makeup people, to go on the vacations. These housewives, they better not be getting cheap on any of them. I just want to say that any housewives that are listening, you better tip them, you better pay them properly, pay their day rates. Uh, I don't want you cutting any corners with these people, because here they are providing not only uh, hair and makeup services to you all, but now they're providing storylines. Tanisha's got to give everybody the receipts, so... You better respect those hair and makeup people, uh, Bravo celebrities. You hear me? Just want to make sure. Want to make sure. Um, but yeah, it's got to be super expensive. And Lisa's paying for the makeup people every single day. What is their day rate? I need to know how much they're making. I need to see the tax returns. I need to see the tax returns. Somebody get them to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Reality. <laughs> Reality Von Teese, send me the receipts. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, okay. So then we also got to talk about the Mary of it all. And everybody is seemingly here for Mary, despite the fact that she's a demon to all of them. I mean, she's so mean to all of these women on stage. Uh, Apparently, even her and Meredith did get in a fight off camera. We didn't get to see it. Um, But Mary, yeah, she's saying all these mean things to people. She's not even feeling bad about body shaming Heather. She says she wasn't body shaming Heather when she said uh, the designer doesn't make a size 14 for Heather. And they all just are like, okay, like Andy is like, yeah, she's the comedic relief. Like we're all just acknowledging that because we got bitter, bigger fish to fry on the stage because they're all united against Monica. And let me remind you, I believe this is how they'll bring Monica back. Because in these interviews post this episode, we've seen Andy, some production people from the network have been giving interviews. I mentioned the Monica interview. But in the uh, interviews with production and stuff, they're not saying she was fired or let go. They're saying they're almost implying a pause or uh, she's taking a break from the group. I believe Andy says going to need some time maybe off camera to build relationships with these women. But the way that they're wording it, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're definitely leaving that door open. And I believe that they are going to want her back. Now, the way in, again, I've said this a few weeks ago, but I'm certain that the OGs or the other cast members are going to eventually turn on each other now that they don't have a common enemy with Monica. And they will turn, and one of them is going to want receipts. So I believe the path forward with Monica is at the end of next season, perhaps the uh, following one after that. Everyone's going to have new dynamics within the group, and one of them is going to turn. I think, actually, my heart is saying it's going to be Angie. And I feel like Angie might be the one to call up Monica in a season or two and say, Monica, I need some receipts. I need Reality Vantis to dig up some receipts on one of the other women. And then they're going to have like a sit-down dinner. And that's going to be the way that Monica's folding back into the show. It makes so much sense. Monica's got all, apparently, all this information on these women. I think there's so many other things that we didn't get into. Uh, but I think that's how they'll ultimately bring her back. My thing is just like, who's going to be the one of the cast members to turn? 
and call up Monica for this information. And my heart is, my heart's kind of feeling like Angie K. Because although Angie K and her had these big issues at the reunion, there's part of me that feels that Angie K was maybe playing it up a little bit to have an allegiance to the OGs, to cement her status with the OGs. She was smart enough to know that she's a new housewife. And uh, it seems like that would have been the smart move for her. Um, but I don't know. There was something about their dynamic where I'm like, I kind of feel like Angie K might be the one eventually to call up. I think Mary's too obvious and Mary's just going to be a friend of. And so we might see Monica through Mary a time or two. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's going to be one of the other women or maybe a new woman. Maybe it's going to be a new cast member because they're going to bring in new people. And by the way, I want to say that I'm not at all worried about casting about Salt Lake City. Although Monica gave us this great dynamic season of television, there's a lot of crazy people in Salt Lake City. We've seen it uh, every season on this show. They bring in new Angies and shit. (laughs) They they find a new Angie in Salt Lake, and they throw them in front of the red light. And it's always good. Yes, I'd say the second half of last season was bad. We were dealing with all that black eye drama. Uh, But... I think there's plenty of crazies in Salt Lake City that I'm not really worried. And I feel like the crazies we got on this show without Monica are pretty great. So I don't feel concerned. I'm not feeling like next season's going to flop. I I think that next season, if they brought Monica back, we would have had three episodes at the top of the season where just nobody wanted to interact with her. It would have been all about how she's on the outs with everyone. Then the fourth or fifth episode, we would have found her trying to find her way in. I think it would have been snoozy and boring. I think we needed this reset we needed the other dynamics to come to the forefront. And then, obviously, they're keeping the door open for this person, uh, which is also crazy, by the way. I mean, the fact that she's use, using this security camera footage that she took at someone's house, and she was uh, I, I mean, really driving in front of these. There was footage of her driving in front of these people's houses, and uh, it was creepy. It was creepy, and yet the door's still open, it seems. And so I don't know what's going to happen, but that'd be my guess, is that on a couple seasons or in a, at the end of next season, if especially if they need something, like if production's not going well, you know how they oftentimes bring in people from the past when the season, they're not getting much stuff going, and so they bring in a Denise, a Camille, put them in front of the red light, and so that's what's going to happen. If they don't have nothing next season, or, or even if they do, they're just going to have somebody call up Monica and be like, Mon, Monica. Mana, can you bring me some information about one of these other women? <laughs> Mana, can you do that? Um, so that's interesting. You know, I want to also give an update on Matt. I, my partner, Matt, he said uh, he the past two episodes of the reunion, he was Team Monica. He was like fully on board with Team Monica. And then by the end of it, he thought uh, he wasn't anymore. And so I just, um, he changed. He felt, and I felt this way too, that she just didn't fight enough for it. She didn't fight enough. I felt like Andy was giving her so many outs to say, I just say you're sorry, give something like you have to help us bring you back. And I don't feel like she helped production or helped Andy or helped any of those people with an, with bringing her back. And it does suck that uh, she didn't just kind of cop to some of these things and apologize because ultimately on Housewives, you could do the craziest shit. You could do the worst, craziest shit. You can have to go off to prison and come back. What doesn't matter? Bravo audiences are so forgiving, so incredibly forgiving. We forget about what happened yesterday. We're just looking to have a good TV show. We can get over things, but you have to cop to it and apologize and take accountability for it. And that's really the only thing. Even the black eye situation, which I think it's crazy that Heather was just denying and lying about this black eye because the lies also, the thing that weirded me about it was that the lies kept changing. So I would imagine if, yeah, Heather didn't want to uh, have any muck with the Jen Shav at all, 
And she didn't want to reveal that Jen Shaw was the one that punched her in the eye or hurt her eye, or we still didn't really know exact information about how it happened. But if she was uh, just interested in coming clean about that, I don't know that she would have been lying and making up new lies every time she was on a new book tour uh, event or every time she's on Watch What Happens Live or a podcast or whatever. I feel like the story just kept changing and she should have just said, I don't know how it happened and then left it at that. It just feels like weird to me that she just kept changing the story. I don't know. I feel like I'm all over the place. I did have my Diet Coke today. Sorry. Sorry. That's not my problem. You know, if you, if it's too much for you guys, it's really not my problem. It's your problem. <laughs> That's my new favorite soundboard clip. Dorinda. It's your problem. It's your problem. I love her. I love her. And Dorinda, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but she's Team Monica. She says, everybody, every housewife is trying to get on the show by any means necessary. Like, they're all doing crazy, shady shit to get on this show. And so, uh, also, I have to point out that Heather, at the end of this episode, it sounds like I'm sticking up so much for Monica, and I do find... That I, I've said it. I, I think it was the right call to not have Monica back next season. Um, but uh, it is weird to me at the end when Heather was giving that speech about housewives. I think she was right about uh, that you get a better, higher quality of housewife when you don't kind of do this mucky stuff, right? Like she was saying, you're going to get more celebrities, even on Beverly Hills Housewives. I think over the past couple of years, the really fancy, rich celebrity women haven't probably wanted to do this show because, of course, it's kind of lowbrow, right? And by elevating the cast members and the franchise a little bit, you might get access to better people or richer or whatever people who want to be on these shows. But she did lose me a little bit when we're acting like Housewives is a really like classy television show. You know what I mean? Like a sisterhood of women. And it is in a lot of ways. But also it's the mucky stuff, right? Like from the beginning, it's always been a lot of garbage stuff as well. So it's like the high-low mix that I think audiences love. So let's not just act like this is just only just this wonderful portrayal of people because I'm the first one to argue that these shows are a wonderful three-dimensional portrayal of women. But they're also mucky stuff and drama and and grossness and all of that kind of stuff comes with it too. Let's just not act like throughout the history of housewives, that wasn't the case. I'm sorry. Okay. But I do love that. And I felt bad for her. And on some level, I think I understand what Heather was saying about the black eye situation with Jen and not wanting to say anything. She was obviously very bamboozled by this woman, uh, Jen Shaw, who's, I can only imagine what she's thinking as she's watching from the clink next to uh, that Elizabeth Holmes or whoever. I don't know who she's in the clink with. Uh, but I'm sure they were watching this episode, and I could only imagine what their commentary was. And I would like eyes and ears on that, actually. I know if we can reboot Bravo chat room and maybe get some footage from the clink, I don't get that security camera footage. I need to see them all. I need to see Jen Shaw and Elizabeth Holmes or whoever's in the clink with her. Uh, I need to see them all sitting down. And I don't care. You know, on this reunion, they had Heather Gay like doing a lip reading, basically, of the footage from the night of the Black Eye incident because they didn't have audio. It was like muffled audio. So we were watching the security camera footage, which I got total goosebumps from. Did you guys get the goosebumps when they put on that title card and it was like a episode of Law and & Order? And it was like, we have footage from Heather Gay and from the cast trip and Jen Shah, black eye situation. And they sit down and Heather Gay was basically doing lip reading. She was like, oh yeah, this is what I said. And then Jen said this. And she said, here's the exact line that we were saying. And we're watching the footage as Heather is saying the lip reading, right? So I'm thinking maybe we need to get Heather Gay to start lip-reading the security camera footage from the prison, from the clink. 
you know, we, I don't, or maybe we get a lip reading expert on uh, to do it. I don't know. But I think there are ways around the prison aspect because uh, I feel like there's got to be a way that we can utilize footage from prison. I don't know. I don't know. I'm spitballing, but figure it out, figure it out production because I need to see it. And I don't want her to get paid for it because obviously she's a criminal and she bamboozled the elderly and uh, all that. So I don't want her to get paid for it. I just do also need to know what it was like to watch it. Okay. Moving on. See, they do some impressions that are funny. Angie did a, a Meredith impression. Monica and Lisa talk about uh, Monica's Lisa impression. She's like, your voice is so easy to do. And Lisa's like, I like my voice. And she, <laughs> Lisa does have a pretty, not that I'm some expert uh, in impressions, but I do feel like Lisa has a good, an easy impression to do. Meredith's the hard one to nail down because the accent's all over the place. And maybe that's by design, you know, keeps us all on our toes. But every time she's on screen, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck accent's going to come out of that mouth. It's like watching Nicole Kidman in Cold Mountain or Renee Zellweger in Cold Mountain. Really anyone in Cold Mountain. <laughs> Did you guys see that movie? What a fucking crazy film that was. Uh, but yeah, the accent work. I mean, Renee Zellweger's accent in Cold Mountain is the craziest thing. And that's how I feel like watching Meredith Marks. I'm like, what is this? What's she going to do next? And so that's the hard voice to get down. Um, but Lisa's a, an easy one. Lisa's an easy one. And to do a Mary impression, really all you have to do is be mean to Whitney because that's Mary's, that's Mary's whole thing. Mary doing Whitney impression was really making me laugh. <laughs> oh, Whitney. There were also these rumors before the reunion started that Whitney and Meredith still followed Monica after the reunion. And so a lot of people, myself included, we thought, oh, maybe that was the bridge for Monica to come back next season. But it seemed at the end of this reunion that Whitney and Meredith were the ones, they were the ones saying, no, we don't want her back. We're done with her. And so I guess she's not coming back. Um, what else is going on? Meredith, uh, we talked about her and Mary fighting off camera. Very interested in that. Um, Andy very clearly hates Monica. And I understand that because there were these moments. They, she had that flop burn book, which I, I don't know. I did hear that that had nothing to do with the new Mean Girls movie. People from Bravo that I very much trust said, no, that's that was not a promotion. Obviously, the Vanderpump Rules cast did like a paid promotion for the new Mean Girls movie. But uh, they had convinced me that Monica with the Burn Book was not paid promotion. But I still, I know I still have a voice in my head. I literally hit the pillow at night last night and I closed my eyes and I thought to myself, I still think that was paid promo. I do. Sue me. I feel like it was. It was. It's too coincidental. And I, I'm a savvy media consumer, I believe. And so I feel like there was had to have been some monetary exchange between Monica and the Mean Girls production team, or Paramount, or whoever, because it's too coincidental to have uh, that burn book, which totally flopped, by the way, totally flopped. But it was really mean when she opened it up, and it had a picture of Andy from the, when he was in his 20s, and it just said, it fucked half of New York, which uh, it doesn't matter if that was a lie or not. You still shouldn't have done that. He is your boss, your producer, and you're just showing it, and... And then it was just, I didn't even know what that burn book was about. It was like, what are we doing in here? She, it was a picture of Monica and just that fugly slut or whatever from the Mean Girls movie. Uh, so she was, I guess, comparing herself to the Regina George. But then the rest of the book was just filled up with screenshots of Reality Vantis. And I'm sorry, it, you guys, has anyone ever scrapbooked before? I don't know if any of you have hauled your ass over to Michael's or Joanne Fabrics. Uh, if you haven't, you need to. Nothing better than going into a Joanne Fabrics. We love them. But... Uh, you get in there, and there's so much stuff to do when it comes to scrapbooking. It is a lot of fucking work to sit down and cut letters and cut pictures and then and uh, tape them or glue them. 
I mean, that's a whole day affair to do it well and to look like, I'm sorry, that looked good. That looked, that was some good crafting. Monica did some good, I don't know if it was her that did it or maybe somebody else from the Rally Vontis team, but they did some excellent craft work in there. Believe me, believe me, as someone who used to watch the Christopher Lowell show back in the 90s, uh, every day after school, I do know a thing or two about crafting. And I know that it's not so easy. It's not so easy to be decoupaging that shit and cutting out. And not only that, think about the logistics of printing out all that shit from your Instagram profile. Because what she would have to do is take screenshots from her phone, because I don't think you could do it from a desktop, right? It'd be more difficult, I think, to do it from desktop. So I think what Monica probably had to do, or someone from Team uh, Reality Vontis, Reality Vontis headquarters, HQ, they had to go on their phone, screenshot the thing, then somehow airdrop it or email it or text it to their uh, computers, then have to get a printer. How many people got to work in printer these days? So I'm sure Monica had to head on up to Kinko's and ask somebody over there uh, if they could print the things for her. Then she had to get the glue stick and everything and then do all the craft work. That's a lot of time and effort, and they it would look good. It didn't look like some shoddy piece of shit. You know, when I do a craft, sometimes you know I like to craft, but I'm not great at it. And sometimes you do it, and you're like, what the fuck is this? Like It looks like a blind man did it sometimes when I make a craft. I'm sorry, but that's what it looks like. And Monica's burn book, it looked, it was good. Like she could, it looked craft wise good. It was big flop, content wise, huge flop, enormous flop, I'd say. Uh, but craft wise, I think anyone would look at that and say, wow, you did a lot of good work there. And yet it flopped so hard, so hard. Um, okay. So then what else is going on? Uh, we got the burn book. We talked about that. That was mean though. I think that did her in actually to do that to Andy. Uh, uh, mm, mm. Mm-mm. And Andy kept trying to give her these outs. He's like, you don't aren't surprised that they're all pissed off at you? And it was just frustrating. It was just frustrating. She says she wants to be their friend, but then trolls them. Like, I don't understand. And then also there was this interesting Snoop Dogg thing. Lisa points out that the Snoop Dogg thing, Monica had said, oh, you're going to hang out with Snoop Dogg. And Lisa points out that she would have only known that from the security footage of her at Jen's house, which is Jen's security camera, which apparently Monica had set up. I don't know. The secret, that just drives me. It's an HR issue, isn't it? She, and then Monica said she didn't stalk, but she drove by a house three times. You don't just drive by a house three times. And then we even heard the audio of her in the car being like, oh, they're going to think I'm stalking. It's like, yeah, because it is, I believe. <laughs> I think it is. Spoiler alert. Hate to break it down. I hate to be the linguistics person here, but if somebody needs to explain that, I think it was stalking to uh, use security camera footage and drive by the house. And then to say, the FBI, you guys, she said the FBI was the one who told her to drive there. I'm like, okay, let's break this down. So the FBI told you, Monica, to like drive up to Jen's house and catch her drinking and driving? Well, if the if the goal was to catch her drinking and driving, then why are you driving to her house? Shouldn't you be following her in her car as she's on the road or something? Like, why are you just driving to the house? None of it made any goddamn sense. None of it made sense. And this was when I was, she was just losing me. I'm like... I can't believe anything she's saying, and she seemed to be floundering. I wish she would have just said, yeah, like, I did such a horrible thing. And I've heard her in interviews saying she knew the reunion was going to be like her karma. She knew it was going to be her karma. She had to get through it. But it's like, if you knew that was your karma, obviously you know that what you did was bad. So just say, like, yeah, I fucked up. Because in general, not just within the world of Housewives, I think a good apology goes a long way. And sometimes, I'm sorry to say that you have to... I'm sorry to say, you have to sometimes apologize, even if you don't even feel apologetic sometimes. I mean, I don't know. Is that a bad thing to say? Should I not be saying you should just apologize even if you don't mean it? 
I do kind of think that sometimes. I'm sorry. You just got to suck it up. I don't always want to apologize to my significant other. Sometimes he's, I don't know, farting on the couch or something. I get pissed off and I snap at him. And then I got to be the one to apologize. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about? You got, then you, I'm apologizing because you snap. But then I'm thinking in my head, like, I don't really feel like I should have to apologize. He's tooting up the storm on the couch. Do you get what I mean? Maybe that was a bad example, but you guys get what I'm saying. It's like sometimes you just, just, just to keep the peace, just to keep the peace. Like, I don't, I'm not someone who, I don't like to go to bed angry. I will just suck it up. That's the Libra in me. I'm like, just walk all over me and I'll apologize. But that's sometimes I think the right thing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I don't think the stalking was good. And Heather even kept saying, she says, Monica thinks that what she's doing is being iconic, but it's like scary or it's weird. And I don't know if she said scary or weird, but I'm, I'm editorializing. Um, and then Monica says production knew that they were bringing her on and she had this account. And Andy's like, no. And he, that's another thing you cannot do at a reunion. Do not throw production under the bus. What they do for us, it, you do not throw them under the bus. And I know I often have notes for production and I'm not always nice to them on this show. And I, for that, I apologize. I am sorry. But you do not throw them on. If you're employed, you can't do that unless you don't want to be employed no more. So I don't know. I just thought you shouldn't have thrown production on the bus. And while we're here at Apologies, and this one I do actually mean, I want to apologize to Miss uh, Meredith Bathtub Marks, because here's the thing. I believed that Meredith was the one sending these DMs and behind all this stuff. I came on this podcast and said, obviously, Meredith was lying. And now I'm realizing that that was my bad. And so, Meredith Marks out there, I do apologize to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I should not have doubted you. And also, I I have to say, Andy, at the beginning of the reunion, he's like, Meredith, are you mad at me? Because Meredith was, I guess, giving him a stink face. And you guys, I felt, when I saw Meredith Marks at BravoCon, I felt the same way. And I don't know if I should be saying this on uh, on a microphone. She wasn't mean to me by any means. Like, there were other people that might have been maybe not as nice. But Meredith wasn't mean. But when I saw her, I've interviewed her a couple times. And I thought, I'm going to see her and say hello and whatever. And uh, I felt like I got a little bit of the stink face. And then, of course, I was thinking, like, oh, my God, what did I say? You know, I shit my pants. It's always scary to run into these people in the wild because I'm like, I don't know what I say half the time. I come on this microphone. After I have my little mini Diet Coke and record this fucking show, I, I don't know what I said. I don't know. I And it all sort of a blur. I do edit the podcast, and sometimes I'm listening to something I say in there. As I'm editing, I'm like, what the fuck did I just say? I'm going to cut that out, you know? <laughs> but as I'm seeing Meredith Marks, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, what did I do? What did I do to piss her off when I saw her BravoCon? And now I'm thinking, maybe I didn't do anything to piss her off. I guess I just, uh, she gave me the stink face like she gave Andy Cohen. So I don't know. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe I need to go back in time and find that DeLorean and get back there and see what was going on. Because I remember thinking, oh, shit, what did I say? What did I say about her? What did I say about Brooks? What did I say about Seth? I, I don't know. And to any housewife who's out there listening, just know that I don't even know what I'm saying half the time. I don't know anything. I'm a big old dummy. Much like the people on these shows. Love you all. Okay, then there was also this funny moment about small shops where Monica says, don't you dare discredit small shops. And they were talking about her swaddle business, which I had totally forgot about. And I remember when that aired, I was like ready to buy a swaddle. And now I'm wondering what's going on with the swaddle business. I don't know if we got an update on that. But at least we did hear about what's going on with Meredith's butter. Um, okay, so then uh, what else is... Oh, Angie K, who it's funny that we're still calling her Angie K. There's not another Angie on the show right now, but we're still calling her Angie K. And so anyway, Angie K... She had a really interesting moment where Monica kind of throws Angie K under the bus and says, like, you're sitting all the way over there. And Angie's like, yeah, you're up there because you're a fucking bee. She, she says that. And then Angie says, I'd rather be a low, I'd rather be uh, that than a lowbrow rat. And then Monica's like, brown rat? And Angie's like, no, I said lowbrow rat. But Monica so badly wanted her to say low 
brown rat, but you know how I feel about rats. Then we talk about the black eye situation. And it was so funny. Andy said, um, as he was introducing this black eye thing, he's like, Heather, you shocked the world when you claimed Jen gave you the black eye. And I thought, the world? (laughs) I don't think that the black eye was as as uh, culturally infiltrating as maybe the Monica of it all this season. Like last season, everybody was exhausted by the black eye situation. And I don't remember like CNN and shit talking about it. And so when he said you shocked the world, I was like, Oh, the world was watching last season. Like I actually don't think they were. <laughs> That's mean. I was watching though. Cause I love this show. And again, I'm not worried at all. I know everybody's out there saying, what are we going to do next season? What's going to happen next season? And I'm thinking, we're in a great place next season. What do we got to worry about? We got these core four. They're all going to fucking turn on each other. Again, without a common enemy, think about how that, those dynamics are going to blow up between them. They all hate each other. I mean, they have this sisterhood, which is interesting. But underneath it all, these dynamics are going to flip on their head and it's going to be so interesting to watch. And plus, we're going to get new crazies in. We're going to get new crazy people from Salt Lake City. And you know, that casting, we just talked about the casting and how it affects like the getting in the muck on these shows affects the casting. Well, guess what? We're in the muck on Salt Lake City. So the only casting that's going to be happening for next season is going to be some thirsty people that want to be on television. And they're going to give us something. So it might not be what we get with Monica, but we're going to get some crazy shit next season. Salt Lake City... This world of crazy there, apparently. If uh, the show is anything to go by, then I'm not worried at all. Mic up anyone from that fucking town and we'll have a good show. We'll have a good-ass show. I don't care. Go on the streets of Salt Lake City and find someone and just mic them up. And I'm sure we'll get some crazy content with some FBI involvement and some connection to Jen Shaw. We'll be fine. Not worried. We'll have some security camera footage of some new woman stealing something or whatever. I don't know. I'm not worried. I don't know why people are worried that casting. If we're talking Orange County... I'm worried, right? Because they've never been able to cast on that show. Or even Beverly Hills, I'm looking at Anna Marie and Diana Jenkins or whoever that woman was. And I'm thinking, that's uh, tough casting. But Salt Lake City, I'm like, well, whatever. They'll find some nutball and it'll be great. It'll be great TV. And so even when Salt Lake City, even that second half of last season, it still wasn't worse than some of these other shows, you guys. Woo! I'm sorry. Go back and watch. It's not bad. It's not great. It's a little frustrating. But it's not at their peak. Anyway, um, it is crazy to me that they never fired Jen because like we're at this reunion and we're talking about like what a hold Jen had on all these people. And also she went to prison, so she's a criminal. And yet they kept hiring her back. Like that is, it is sort of an HR issue, isn't it? I mean, I know ultimately they only, they got rid of her because she had to go to prison. But it is crazy to me. Um, And that's where, that's where it's hard on these shows sometimes when there is like a moral high ground because you're thinking, well, wait a minute, you guys kept Jen around for like, three, four seasons. (laughs) And you, even if you didn't know the extent, obviously she was tormenting these women. Like you mean to tell me production didn't know that they were, they were all being tormented by Jen Shah because they have close relationships with the producers and stuff. So somebody had, they were in the know that Jen Shah was tormenting these women and yet they kept her around. And so, I mean, come on, it's like crazy. (laughs) Oh, I love these shows. Okay. So then, yeah, we're still cleaning up the mess of a Jen uh, ultimately, though, Heather gave these great speeches. She did apologize. There was interesting stuff about the black eye. And that is also an issue like that. Heather kept it from everybody, kept it from the show, kept it from the cast, because this was physical abuse. So like one cast member physically harming somebody in the cast and like you kept your mouth shut about it. I understand why she did it. I understand the logistics of it. She was obviously bamboozled by this woman, but it's still it's a problem. It's a problem. 
It's your problem. Yeah, it's your problem. It's a problem for somebody. I know that. Um, and so, I don't know. I, f- I felt bad for Heather, but I also was a little mad at her for going on with this thing forever and and not telling us and also giving these different stories. I find that kind of sketch. Um, but maybe we'll get more info. I don't know. But what a good season. Anyway, that's the end. They did give these like fuzzy and prickly awards at the end of the thing, which is just the rose and thorn. You know, we find new ways to do that all the time. And then they ultimately just had a uh, dark and stormy drink. And then Andy tried so much. That's the thing. I really feel like Andy did his absolute best to like give Monica an out, give the other women. I I think the ideal situation at the end of every reunion is maybe not necessarily for all the women to be besties, but for there to be at least like a sliver of an opening for them to all get along next season. Otherwise, it's too hard for production to find ways to have, they would have to be inventing ways for Monica to be around this group of women. And I just ultimately think it would have been bad. I think people think it would have been good. And I'm not saying next season, we're not guaranteed a good season without Monica, but I still just think percentage-wise, we have a better shot at a good season where we're resetting the dynamics, maybe bringing in some fresh women and then seeing where we go. Otherwise, I think it would have just been this vortex of nobody wanted to film with her and just it, it would have been boring, I think, to watch. That's that's what I feel. But maybe I'm wrong. What do I know? Um, shall we take a break and then let's get to The Real House Size of Beverly Hills. This episode is sponsored by Los Angeles Tourism. Now, y'all know I'm from the Midwest, but I've lived in California for so long, and I truly do love it here in LA. There's so much to do. My parents were just in town and said the same thing, because we always have something to do when they visit. There's so much good food and drink here. There's lots of pop-ups, rooftop bars, year-round alfresco dining. I love being able to eat outside here all the time, but they really have so many different food options uh, that you can get all the time. Tons of great shopping and fashion. Uh, They just opened up a new shopping center right across the street from where we live. And it's just fantastic to be able to walk there. I love that. I love having the sun. I love the attractions, the studios, the lifestyle. You get all the Hollywood pop culture stuff that I certainly love so much. Uh, And also, you just get the wonderful weather. It's really a fantastic place. So I want to encourage you all to head to discoverla.com. Again, need more ideas for your next visit? Just head to discoverla.com. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered showerhead. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, my listeners can use code EVERYTHINGICONIC, all together one word, at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. 
Ever since I saw Clueless, I wanted to have the most amazing wardrobe, and that includes all of the clothes inside the wardrobe closet, and that's why I'm excited to talk to you about Quince. Now, Quince has you covered with truly timeless pieces that never go out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all sorts of must-haves. I'm talking uh, Mongolian cashmere crewneck sweaters from $50. I have a blue cashmere crewneck sweater I got from them that I get so many compliments on all the time. I love it. Plus, iconic 100% leather jackets and versatile Flownet Activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings all over to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Love that. Makes you feel good about shopping with Quince. Uh, again, I've gotten a lot of stuff there. Just uh, good quality pieces and a lot of different options if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe. So indulge in the affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365-day returns, quince.com slash iconic. And we're back. Okay, The Real House is Beverly Hills. I was very hard the last two weeks on this show. I did actually really like this episode, so I just want to give them the props. Of course, we had some complaints, which we'll get into. But ultimately, I really liked it. I was laughing. Garcelle's super horny this episode when she was saying uh, she wanted the storm, the chef, to rain on her. I mean, <laughs> and she wanted the three-way. She's like, rain on me, and I want a three-way. We'll tag team him, and then he can rain on me. I was like, oh, my God, you guys. Rain on me, rain. Storm can feel free to rain all over me. <laughs> she said, "Storm, storm can feel free to rain on me," and I agreed, ladies. Am I right? Okay, let's go back a little bit. I mentioned I was hard the past couple of weeks, and specifically, I think I was extra hard on Crystal last week, and I am on Team Crystal, especially in this thing with Anna Marie. Even though I think everything Anna Marie is saying about Crystal is probably true, I uh, just care so much less for Anna Marie. But also while we're here apologizing and um, taking back some things, I do want to shout out Anna Marie too, because her tagline is actually very spot on. She says she puts us to sleep for a living and she does. And she does. Every time I'm watching her on the show, she's putting me to sleep. So I just want to say uh, there is uh, a silver lining to Anna Marie. And that is she's telling that she's a truth teller in that tagline, at least maybe not in the other scenes and everything else she says, but specifically in that tagline, when she says, I put people to sleep for a living. I thought, yep, you sure do. You sure do. And you do a great job at it because every time I'm watching a scene with Anna Marie, I'm thinking, I need a nap. I need a nap. The Z's are just playing in my head and my head's on a pillow. Uh, but anyway, we are getting ready for this trip. So we're going to get into this uh, cast trip. Everybody's getting ready at the beginning of the episode. We see Dorit on the phone with PK and they're doing a lot of that Bubba. Hi, Bubba. Baby. Bubba. Bed bubs. Bubs. Do you need a sleep? Bubba. Bubba. It's like so much Bubba work. I'm like, you need to cool it. You need to call it. Obviously, that's what led to the divorce of Katie and the other Schwartz, Sheila Schwartz and Vanderpump Rules, is all the Bubba work. It's not a good sign. To me, actually, I would argue that Bubba now is almost like the new vow renewal. Remember on Housewives, for years, every time the cast members would get a vow renewal, we'd say, okay, they're going to divorce next season. And it would happen consistently. It was like, oh, there's uh, Ramona and Mario doing a vow renewal, going to get divorced. There's Vicky uh, doing her vow renewal then getting a divorce. Like everybody does that on these shows. And now I'm thinking, actually, uh, the new smoking gun is just calling each other Bubba because I'm feeling like Dorit and PK aren't going to make it last. I'm sorry. And we know the other Bubba's over on Vanderpump Rules. So I do believe Bubba work is going to, it's the nail in the coffin. Bubba, 
Baba, Babs. Hey, bed bub. Did they say bed bubs? I don't know why I have bed bubs in my note. I don't even think she said that, but bed bubs is funny. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, then they're all getting ready. They do point out as they're getting ready for this trip, there was a weird little moment where Sutton's getting her stuff together. And then they put a thing on this on the screen that says Sutton's missing her white jeans. And they pointed out as if it was important. Was it just being pointed out because she was wearing the night white jeans and she couldn't find them? I didn't get that. I don't know. Sometimes I don't get what's going on on this show. Sometimes I don't understand the decision making. I'm sorry, but I don't. Uh, but they all get ready. They go to the airport. And at the airplane, we get to see how much they spend on their pajamas. You guys. The way I was so into how uh, much their pajamas were. I had, I needed them to go around the room, just do a round robin and give me everyone's price of their pajamas on the airplane because Dorit's pajamas were $1,200 and Crystal was wearing $7.99 pajamas and Crystal's the rich one, which leads me to that whole thing, which uh, obviously this has been, uh, maybe we've talked about on the show or I've seen it in uh, different places, but rich people and labels, like really rich people don't have labels on their clothing, right? Like they might have really expensive clothing, uh, but you don't see labels. And I've been thinking about that more and more lately when I watch The Real House of Beverly Hills because their outfits all scream label. Like every single one of them has these big ass labels. And I'm like, oh, none of you are wealthy at all. <laughs> it's like makes me feel like that because they're all just screaming with their labels that they're rich. And really wealthy people don't do that. They're just not going to be uh, wearing anything. So there's Crystal in 799 pajamas and Dorit's on an airplane. I'm like, Dorit, you need to save your finances. Dorit's also traveling the glam squad on this one. You know, I've been saying uh, every uh, episode this season, there's been a lot of times that we've seen Dorit without any glam. And so now she's bringing them on the trip and she's wearing these expensive pajamas. I'm like, Dorit, you need to put that wallet down and you actually need to, what's the opposite of loosen the purse strings? She needs to close up that purse and she needs no purse. Close up that thing. Close up that thing. Um, but anyway, they need a, the labels are, it's, it's actually, I, it's becoming a problem on Beverly Hills. I think they all need to regroup next season with their wardrobes and they need to stop putting them labels, labels out because it's just, um, it's like every time they're on screen, they're screaming with a label. I'm like, oh my God, it's, it's actually embarrassing now that I've learned that really rich people don't wear the labels. I've been, uh, that's the thing. It's on my TikTok. I feel like I'm on that season of TikTok. <laughs> that's that's the, what the algorithm is feeding me about, like style and design. And so I feel like I've been hearing a lot of like, don't wear labels. Stylish people don't wear labels. You know, st- really stylish people, they're like, we don't want something that just that says, I don't know. Dolce and Gabbana real big across the chest. You know what I'm saying? Like stylish people don't do that. And yet on The Real House of Beverly Hills, more so than any other franchise, every time I turn on the TV, I'm just watching one of them just says Prada, real giant. Anyway, um, so at least they're rich enough to buy those things or or at least rent them. But Dorit, I'm worried about the finances. And maybe she can get a loan or something from Crystal if something happens because Crystal's real fucking rich. She's got the $7.99 pajamas on, so you know her bank account is great. And yet here's Dorit just wasting all that money on them pajamas for airplane uh, for the Real House of Beverly Hills. Um, okay, so then all they do play a game called, uh, once they arrive on the cast trip, they play a game called All of a Sutton. All of a Sutton. And it turns out Bamboozle Jane actually knows the most about Sutton. She knows the most about her. She knew everything. She was like, yeah, Sutton did Sutton did that, Sutton, 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 Sutton. Yeah. So, you know, they're friends. They're friends. Then they all get to this uh, haunted Airbnb. And Erica actually, she was really, I was loving her this episode. I've been loving her every week on this show. But Bamboozle Jane says she smells spirits. 
She smells spirits. So this is an ability, and I don't know. I've never heard this before. I've never heard about smelling spirits. Now, a time or two, I can close my eyes, and I uh, can try to see if I feel a spirit in the room, and ultimately, I never do. But here's Erica Jane just closing the eyes, and she takes a whiff, and then she could tell if there's a spirit in the room. Do you guys think you'll haunt someone when you're when you pass? I kind of feel like I will. I kind of feel like I will. I'm sorry if that's not a couth to say, but I do feel that as soon as I go, I'm going to be haunting somebody. I'm not sure who it is yet. I haven't quite decided. I'm be my significant other. I mean, certainly I'd say if I die before Matt, like I will probably haunt him, it, just because. I don't know, the idea of him moving on and stuff, I kind of, I don't know. I want him to move on, ultimately. I know, I'm sorry to work through this right now and not with my therapist, but I want him to move on if something happens to me. But I want him to move on in a way that he knows that I'm still around watching. Does that make sense? You guys get it. Yeah. I just want, just just know, just I want to be a little on on edge, a little just so that I don't want the love for the new person to overshine the love for me, right? Is that bad to say? I just feel like he, so certainly I'd haunt him, but he's older than I am. So I think maybe that might be a problem. Might be a problem. It's your problem. And so maybe I'm going to have to figure out someone else to haunt. I don't know who it'll be though, but I, I just feel, I've seen Casper so many times and I know hauntings about unfinished business according to the rules of the 1995 film Casper. Uh, And so I'm assuming that maybe that has something to do with it. Who do I have unfinished business with? And maybe it'll be someone from our Bravo shows. I don't know. Maybe it'll be, who do I have unfinished business with? You know who I have unfinished business with? is Asher from The Real House of Beverly Hills, girl. Because I feel like uh, he wasn't around long enough, despite the fact that I wanted Diana Jenkins to go uh, from licking them lips every time on the show. But I do kind of miss that uh, that man. I just sort of miss that man. And so maybe he's the one I have, maybe he's the one I'm going to be haunting when I'm in the afterlife. Just <laughs> No, I shouldn't say that on microphone. People are going to say, Danny said he's going to haunt Asher. <laughs> No tagging. You guys are going to go online and say tag Asher and be like, Danny said he's going to haunt you. And that's going to be a problem for me. But anyway, Erica will be able to sniff it out anyway because she's got that uh, power, that X-Men power where she smells spirits. And I guess, uh, you know, everyone could smell something different. I could smell alcohol spirits, but I can't smell the actual spirits. Anyway, the Airbnb host says that the spirits are actually little. So they're little spirits. And so I don't know what exactly she meant to it, but we did see all the gals going around to the bedrooms and I was a little upset about this. And actually, I have a bone to pick with Bravo. I, I Sorry. But I do not like how we're doing these room assignments anymore. We have to go back. We have to go back to the beginning. Because there's no, it's not working. It's not hitting for me. Every time now we're going on these cast trips, we're seeing someone take the lead and raise their hand and say, oh, yeah, we just, uh, we drew names for the rooms. Or we'll, every, we'll just pick like this. And we're no longer fighting over cast rooms, and that's an issue for me. That's the perfect drama. If you're a cast member on one of these shows, it's the perfect way to have some drama, but it to be not serious enough that you can't come back from it. Do you know what I'm saying? So look at the Monica situation. That was too far. It was so much drama and stuff, and she can't come back and have a relationship with these other women. But if you look at any of these fights, sometimes they have these irreparable fights. And what I'm sitting here saying is if I was a cast member, I would throw the biggest fucking fit about the room that I was in, and I would just make that the drama, and like it would be funny and silly, and we would be able to rebound from it, whoever I had that drama with. Do you know what I'm saying? So also, it's just fun to watch because it's relatable drama. Like, who doesn't do that? You go on a group vacation with some friends. You fight over the rooms, right? No one ever goes on a group vacation, doesn't fight over who's got what room. And so now we're doing this thing where we're just picking out numbers or something, and no one's fighting about the rooms situation anymore. And I'm just needing everyone to just reset and find some ways to throw a big fight about a fucking room. 
on a vacation because it's fun. And so, I don't know, Dorit walked in her room in this episode, and she very clearly hated that room. And there's ghosts in this room. And so, you mean to tell me you can't pick a fight with someone over the room situation when you got ghosts there and you hate the room? Uh-uh. You need to do something. People, they need to step it up. It's laziness, actually. It's housewife laziness. And I'm, I'm going to call it out. You all need to step it up. You're, you're getting paid to fight over rooms. I want to see some fighting over uh, vacation rooms. Just moving on so quickly. Back in the day, back in my day, in the housewives that I was raised on, my four mothers fought for at least a whole episode on The Real Houses of New York for a goddamn room. I would be watching Countess Luann, Sonia Morgan, Ramona. They would all be nightmares about the room. Bethany yelling at everybody, calling everybody a whore. I, but they'd all be fighting over it for at least one or two episodes. And now we're just moving past it of three minutes or something. Not even three minutes, probably 30 seconds. 30 seconds. And meanwhile, you have spirits there. There'd be so much to fight about. Oh, Erica Jane, maybe she, here's what, what should have happened. Bamboozled Jane should have walked in her room. The camera follows her walking in the room. And she says, oh, I smell spirits. She's like, I can't stay here. And then that sparks a fight because she goes into the bigger room and she's like, I need to stay in this room because there's no spirits. And then, I don't know, Splits Richards is like, no, but this is my room. And then they fight about it and they're fighting about ghosts in the room. Perfect TV. I mean, do I have to do, I have to do everything around here? Oh, I'm sorry. But we love production. I, I just kid. But they do need to go back to fighting about rooms. I'm sorry. Once they do get their rooms... The camera operator scares Dorit, which was funny to me. And then oh, when Erica walked into the room, she says, I don't need ghosts. I, I don't need little ghosts in my life. I'm on a medication. I'm trying to stay stable. And so she, but she should have, I don't know. I wanted to hear more about the ghosts. I did. Um, also, give her one of those shows, like the Long Island Medium or something. I want to just see uh, Bamboozle Jane running around sniffing ghosts in rooms. She's got that spinoff coming where she's doing the Vegas residency with Mikey Minden. Um, who she brought up, Mikey Minden, because there's this whole like thing about Mercer, Mercer, who's uh, Sutton's ashes. It's this big dancer guy. And Erica Jane's like, I didn't know who that was, and I had to ask Mikey Minden, and then Mikey Minden. Blah, 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 blah. And so um, I would like maybe they maybe they connect with his ghost in the spinoff or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Connect with the ghost though, because I want to see it. Um, and then Kyle, uh, who Kyle is seeming. Um, <sighs> Kyle's frustrating me, you guys. I just saw an interview with her where she's saying I, the media, she says the media is taking her relationship with Morgan out of context. Really? Really? Oh, the me- the media's doing it, Kyle. Let me just back up for a second and say that Kyle starred in Morgan's music video where she's kissing her and hugging her and uh, being lesbian with her. And so now we're saying, oh, the, but, uh, but we all are the problem. And that's been my problem from the beginning with Kyle because she's been saying that from the beginning, from the get-go. And putting it on us, she's we're wrong for assuming that she's got a, a love affair with Morgan, the honky-tonk lesbian. I'm supposed to act like it's my problem for coming to that conclusion when you're doing music videos where you're hooking up with the honky-tonker? I'm sorry, but that is unacceptable. Don't blame the media for it. Don't blame other people for it. We're audience members. We're just taking your lead. So you're showing us kissing her in a music video. And then, oh, I can't believe that everybody's speculating that we're together. As soon as there was like a little rumor about it, you went on a music video and started kissing her. So come on. Like, oh, we're, we're in the wrong for, do, for assuming. Like, come on, you guys. Don't be a You know she's not a dummy. Kyle's not a dummy. She's very media savvy. So the fact that she's, I, I'm not buying it, splits. I'm not buying it, splits. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Also, uh, Kyle, 
uh, she's got all these outfits and Dorit goes to the room and she's like looking throughout these outfits. She's like, Oh, you got a G string. And then Dorit says, or she's like, Oh, Kyle, maybe she said this in the confessional. She's like, is Kyle looking for her next husband in Spain? And I was like, Dorit, no, she's looking for a senorita who could serenade her with the Spanish country song. Like that's what Kyle's here for. And so uh, I don't know. I wish one of them would say to her, like, are you guys, are you guys doing it? Like what's happening here? I think we need to get cut and dry answers about this Morgan person because even editing, if you notice the editing, they're editing these illusions. So by the way, it's not just media, it's her own show. That's uh, leading us to believe that she's got this relationship with Morgan because they're showing all these little tiny little moments with Morgan that are leading the audience to very clearly believe that the two of them are having this affair relationship. So even if it's not happening, it's her own show that's doing it too. It's not just like the audience or the media. It's like literally her own show that's leading the audience to believe these things as well as her actions of doing a music video with this Morgan woman. So let's stop. Let's call it what it is. And so come on, but somebody needs to just step in and say, Oh, are you guys, are you guys fucking each other? Like somebody get on the horn. (laughs) Is that a saying? Get on the horn. I don't know where that even came from. Get on the horn, though, and do it. Somebody ask Splits what's happening. And again, we want her to be happy. I'm all for her, whatever. If this is uh, her truth, we want Kyle Splits Richards to live her truth. I don't want her to be in that relationship with that demon anymore, and I feel like I'm being hard on her. That's I, I want her to be with Morgan or whoever makes her happy, and I don't want her to be in a bad relationship. I want her to deserve the world. I just don't want to be tricked into thinking like I'm crazy for thinking that she's a lesbian when she's giving us uh, her show is telling us she is. And so is all the actions or bisexual or whatever. But good for her if she is. We want it to happen. Anyway, uh, they get ready for dinner. Garcelle's legit scared of these ghosts. And can I tell you something? The other day I was up all night like I could not sleep. And I was thinking about rigor mortis. Are you guys familiar? I just feel like rigor mortis is scary because it's like. From what I understand, I'm not a big ex. I'm not like Phaedra Park's funeral home director, which, by the way, you need to be watching Traders on Peacock. It's so fucking good, you guys. If you're a comp, it's a reality competition show, but there's a lot of housewives in it. So Phaedra's in it. Larsa uh, from Miami Housewives, which Miami's always delivering a good season, but this season's fantastic. Uh, but Traders got all these housewives. Tamara's there. MJ from Shaws of Sunset. Plus challenge people from MTV like CT. And it's just fantastic. It's kind of competition y. So. Not for everyone. Don't go into it just thinking it's about housewives. But if you like competition in any way, just start with season two on Peacock, the U.S. version. I know people love the international versions, too. I'm not as familiar, but I know people love them. You can watch those. But if you're watching the U.S., just start with season two. It's, it's so, so good, you guys. It's so, so good. Um, anyway, oh, back to rigor mortis. <laughs> Sentence I never thought I'd say. That college degree is really coming in handy with this podcast. But rigor mortis, you guys. It is like, so somebody could be dead, and then I guess it's like some chemical thing happens in the body where they can like, you know, pop up, right? So they could be laying down in a in a funeral, like you can have an open casket thing, and then a rigor mortis could come in, and then the person just sits upright, right? That is the scariest fucking thing, because you think someone's dead, and then all of a sudden they pop back up, like you've already emotionally said goodbye to them, and you're like, ooh, they're here now, but really they're not there, it's just a rigor mortis setting in, and you're shouting, get out, leave. That's what, you know, you cheer your loved one because you're thinking this is a demon spirit and really it's just rigor mortis. And so I don't know. I just feel like I need to make everyone aware of it because it's a scary thing that happens. And if I were to be confronted with that, a loved one, I would certainly think it's a ghost. I need to have a bamboozle Jane in the room to just see if she could sniff it out of there. I don't know. Can we put her in the next Ghostbusters? Find some way. 
to get Bamboozled Jane in there, busting ghosts, because if she can smell the spirits, I feel like she'd be an asset to that gang, right? If she could sniff it out, she'd be an asset to that whole crew over there. Paul Rudd, Bill Murray, I don't know who's in the next Ghostbusters movie, but I, Bamboozled Jane, you need to suit her up. Suit her up and get her in that ecto car, or whatever the fuck they call it. I want to see her fighting Slimer, because she could smell it. She'd smell Slimer from a mile away. Bamboozled Jane, she'd sniff him right out, and she'd say, there he is. And then, you know, Bill Murray could have to go and catch it. You know, that'd be the next movie. I just wrote it for you all. You're welcome, Hollywood. I know you need some fresh ideas, so maybe it's about time you put Bamboozled Jane. And I've been thinking about this, too. Since we're talking about Bravo celebrities as actors, I do feel, you guys, this has nothing to do with Beverly Hills or Bamboozled Jane, but I do feel like Paige... Okay, I've always loved Paige on Summer House. I've always had a thing for her because I she reminds me of a good friend of mine, and I just I have an affinity towards towards Paige. But I really stopped liking her when I turned on Craigie because I loved Craigie, and then I had a couple seasons in there where I hated Craigie. Now I'm back on board with Craigie, and I'm back on board with Paige because of it. And I hate to just judge Paige based off the man she's dating, but that's where I was emotionally. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I do feel like Paige should be a scripted star. I she's fine and great on Summer House, whatever. But I feel like Paige has it in her to be like a supporting cast member in like a scripted Italian family drama, you know? I don't know, or something like that. I just feel like Paige should be in the scripted world. And I'm not sure what I... I don't have much more to say about that. It's just something that's been noodling around in my head that I feel like I need to get off my chest because I would like to see her some sort of ensemble, family, something. Or... I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I got to figure it out. Or really anything. I just feel like she'd be a better scripted person or she'd be a good scripted person. Am I crazy for thinking that? Like, I've never seen her act or anything, so I don't fucking know. But I, I, I don't know. I feel like something there. Okay, what are we saying here? Got to take one more quick break. I want to thank Acast and we'll be right back. Yeah. Icons. Did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Icons, I'm sure I've mentioned this many a time on the show, but I use DoorDash all the time, and I'm sure so many of you are right there with me. When you need a meal, you hop on DoorDash. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about DoorDash's Dash Pass. It's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door, helping you save lots of money, lots of time with every one of your DoorDash orders. So it's really a big saver with $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on your eligible orders. Dash Pass makes it super easy to 
save on restaurants or retail items, groceries, all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. Because I don't just get my meals. I also get a lot of groceries. You can get, again, retail items, local stuff. Dash Pass, too, pays for itself in just two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. So get more from your delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code ICONIC24. That's ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, use code ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Uh, okay, so then let's get back to Storm the Hot Chef. The Hot Chef, I, I really thought he was hot and I, I hope one of them I know, made it work with him. But I, I also think this is a really interesting play for Garcelle because she sort of leaned into like the Samantha Jones of it all. And I think as a housewife, that's another great character to play. Like if you don't want to get in the muck, like you just be like the slutty one. And I almost feel like Sonia Morgan has done like a version, like an outspoken kind of version of that where it's like you just be the comedic relief and that kind of fills your role. And then you don't have to get in as much drama with everybody else because you're just like the funny one. Or Kiki on Miami Housewives. I know she this week she got into some drama and it was great. But I think Kiki works so well as like the comedic relief over there. And so she doesn't have to get into fights with everybody all the time. I want to see her just being funny and being a comedy queen in the confessionals. And so it was interesting to me, Garcelle leaning in so much to this because I thought, oh, that's smart. Like you could just be... You could stay out of all the drama and just be a little bit of flirtatious, right? I shouldn't have said slutty one, but you know what I mean. Like flirtatious, Samantha Jones-esque. Uh, anyway, then they go to, they're all a little offended that Sutton's got the ashes in a Ziploc bag. And it's for this guy, Merce Cunningham. And he's a someone very close to Sutton. She, I don't know. I was so distracted by that storm man at dinner. And then I felt bad for this, the girl because they were also into the chef. Like they were also... So horny, so horned up for this chef storm. And yet then uh, after storm left, he like presented the food. And then this woman, Anders, 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 she's like the server gal and she comes out to serve. And I was like, oh man, all the wind was taken out of the sails from that room because uh, as soon as uh, Stormy left, they didn't want to get served by this Anders woman. And I felt bad for her. I felt really bad for her. Anyway, we got Anna Marie. Did we talk? Oh, there was a funny moment too where Anna Marie, they were all lusting after this guy, Stormy. Storm and uh, Anne Marie was like, We need to figure out if he has a ring. And then Erica Jane was just like, Oh, shut up, Anne Marie. <laughs> She's like, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up, Anne Marie. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. Oh, we need to find out if he has a ring. Shut the fuck up. Like, Erica Jane was just, she just wanted to have sex with that guy. She's like, I don't care. I don't care if there's a ring or not. Stop bringing that up on camera, she said to Anne Marie. <laughs> Ah, uh, okay. So what else is going on? Then we have Crystal and Anna Marie. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I do think that Crystal probably said some of these things. I don't think anything that Anna Marie said that Crystal said was anything more than any of these other women have said. Like, what did she say? They're not educated. Crystal even said that on the, they showed footage of her saying that on camera. Like, I don't, uh, yes, she said it probably, but I, I don't know that it was all that bad. I was just like, whatever. I wish Crystal would say these things to them or on camera because sometimes it feels like Crystal is just like not engaging in the moment on camera. Uh, but it seems like Crystal actually is so activated by Anna Marie. It's like bringing out an interesting side of Crystal that we haven't seen. 
but she should have said that they're uneducated. But also, uh, they all say mean things. Dorit in the confessional, you guys, she was calling Crystal boring. She said child bride. Like, Dorit, I was shocked, actually. This week in the confessionals, shocked at Dorit. There was a couple times this season where we've seen this side of Dorit. I think she threw Erica under the bus that first episode of the season about BravoCon. Like, there's been times this version of Dorit has come out. But it seemed very, very much towards Crystal this week. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. And so anyway, they um, they fight. Crystal fights with Anna Marie. She's pissed. But we don't really get anywhere. They just go to sleep. And they all scattered like roaches as soon as we were done with the scene. And that worried me a little bit about the show. Because we, it, I want to, okay, we have to pretend at least that these women get along. And I really noticed this week on Beverly Hills when they all just scattered after the dinner. They were like, oh, I got to get out of here. Like they all just... Not even just scatter, but they like fucking locked them doors in that haunted house. And so they just closed the doors. They were like, I don't want anyone near me. And it's like, well, if you're on a girl's trip, right, you'd be hanging out at night. And I know Garcelle went over to Sutton's room, but I don't know. I like knowing that they all hang out. My favorite thing on Housewives is like on a cast trip when the next day we see like cell phone footage of the women just being like, crazy the night before and having fun and being silly the night before after the cameras went down and maybe someone took cell phone footage. I always like when we see that cell phone footage because it it makes me feel like, oh yeah, they are friends. Like underneath it all, they're friends. Even if it's a big old fat lie, I still like to know that. And so after this dinner, when they all just sort of scattered, I was like, we needed some glue in this group because it's feeling like Kyle was always the glue, but now she very much hates everybody. And I'm thinking, who's the glue here? Because I don't feel like there's any glue. I feel like there's no glue. And so they maybe need to call up uh, Sutton's horse and make some glue because I need some glue. I need some glue on this show. Somebody's got to figure it out. So isn't that how you make glue? Is that <laughs> is horses how you make glue, right? I should know that. I'm a dummy. Okay. Uh, then they all go to bed. And they do a scripted bit about Garcelle being pretend scared in the hall. Like as she's going over to Sutton's room, she's like, oh, I'm so scared. And I was like, oh, there's a whole camera crew and lights on in this house. And also, you got Bamboozle Jane in the room next door sniffing it out for you. So I'm sure she smells something and let you know if there was uh, a problem. Uh, but ultimately, they just uh, see Garcelle making it over to Sutton's room, and then she makes fun of Sutton's hat, that ugly-ass hat. Stupid-looking hat! Then the next morning, we see Dorit and Erica sit down. and uh, Then we see Crystal and Sutton sit down. They're good now. They're friends. And Sutton is saying that she wants them to all get along in the confessional, but then in the scene with Crystal, she's like, you need to get in there and fight, girly. Like, he's just saying that about Anna Marie. She's like, you need to get in there and argue with her. But then the professional Sutton's like, I just want everyone to get along. And I was like, Sutton, that's so messy. And thank you. Thank you. Um, then Erica Jane gets uh, some good news about them earrings. Apparently, she gets to keep them for now. But, like, the big court said it was okay for her to keep them, to get them back or something. And she was, like, waiting for everyone to cl- This was so funny. She's like, okay, I just thought, like, everybody would be, like, really excited about it. And all the women were like, okay, like, <laughs> your fucking husband still bamboozled a bunch of widows and orphans and shit. And so we're not going to clap that you get to keep your billion-dollar earrings or however much they were. Like, it was like, what did you expect, Erica? I love that she just she, she thought they were all going to, like, eat crow or something. And then even Garcelle in her confessional was like, well, she still should, like, give that money to somebody. And, uh, you know, it's true. I kind of understand why Bamboozle wouldn't give that money to the specific victims, because I understand, like, legally that could cause some issue or something or make it seem like you're guilty. Or I, I, I kind of understand that. 
But I also understand, like, I love the idea of, like, maybe selling the earrings and, like, giving that money to another related charity or something. I don't know. It's not my job to figure that out. I just feel like there could be some other option in between. In between A and B, there's got to be a, a somewhere to be. Somewhere to be. Um, but nobody cared. They were just like, okay, congratulations. And she's like, why isn't anyone congratulating me? Um, and then they all go to the Sprinter van. And Erica made me laugh here, too, because she says, let's hit it. Like, she said... <laughs> Oh, she said, let's hit it. Meaning like, let's go or let's go to wherever we're going. And, but let's hit it just made me laugh. I'm loving her this season. I'm sorry. I feel bad about that, but I love her. And so here we are. Uh, then uh, Crystal's got to leave the car as they're in the sprinter van going up a hill in the, in the cast trip. Her hand starts swelling, the, the veins pop, and they got to get Anne-Marie out of the other car. And Crystal's like, what's happening to me? And then they end with Splits calling 911. And meanwhile, Anne-Marie's there. And they're acting like Anne-Marie's going to help Crystal or figure out their medical issue. And I'm thinking, Anne-Marie, I wouldn't even trust her with a Band-Aid. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. The board that she's on, the, I don't know, the anesthesia board. I don't know. You have to look it up. But the the board... Uh, for her work, they came out with a statement. They released a public statement calling her a liar. And so, obviously, I'm not too uh, confident in her medical skills. So when Crystal's got to get off that Sprinter van, I'm not too confident Anna Marie's going to go over there and fix it. Because even when she walked on over there, she's like, what's going on? And I almost felt like the look in Anna Marie's face was like, oh, fuck, like, they're going to rely on me for something medical. And I don't know that she can be relied on. Because it seems like um, she's a big liar, apparently, according to the board that she's employed by, or that I don't know the exact details. This is all alleged. Don't come after me. I don't want the board to come after me and release a statement because everything I see on this podcast is alleged. Uh, everything I say on this dumbass show. I love it, though. I love you all for listening. Thank you so much. What a long episode. I'm sorry. Um, but thank you to ACAST. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We have uh, merch available at everythingiconic.store. I also have books available. You can get wherever you get your books. Love you all so much for listening. Oh, I want to mention too, maybe I shouldn't say this yet, but we're doing a special episode of my holiday movie podcast. We're going to do a Valentine's Day episode. So if you want to listen to that, it'll be on the other podcast feed, which is called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. It'll be there maybe in a week or so. I don't know when it'll be out, but we are doing a special Valentine's Day episode where we're covering the movie Valentine's Day, which is an unhinged film uh, starring Ashton Kutcher, Jessica Alba, and literally every other actor in Hollywood. I mean, they all showed up for one line and uh, they delivered it poorly. And yet I still watch that movie every year. So we're going to be covering that uh, over on a very merry iconic podcast. And um, yeah, stay next week. We'll cover all the other uh, Bravo shows. And I do want to also just give a programming note. I know I've only been doing one episode per week lately and for a long time, I did two episodes per week. And so we sort of scaled back to one per week. And I don't know if that'll be the case forever, but I'm trying, again, mention this on the show, but I'm trying to scale back where I can and find a little work-life balance because things got a little nuts at the end of last year where I just felt totally unhinged. And I like doing the show when I'm covering about two uh, reality shows per season. And so that's my sweet spot. And I know it's frustrating to people who maybe want me to cover every Bravo show or every Housewives show. And and I'm just trying to draw some boundaries because I need a little bit. It's a lot of work to be doing all the notes and the editing of the podcast and all that stuff. I don't know. Uh, it might not seem like a lot, but it is very time consuming. And every time I add another show, it becomes almost double the work, even though the recaps might be in one episode. It does become a lot. And so I try to stick to two shows and uh, that I'm recapping. And then I try to right now we're just doing one podcast episode a week, but that could change in five minutes. But for now, uh, that's the case. Anyway, love you all so much for the support. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. Bye.